ministry. Uh, he just uh, he'll, he may share a little more with you, but they just recently resigned after 11 years of pastoring a church out in Kansas. And uh, pray for them as they seek for God's next step in their life and ministry. And uh, certainly a joy to have them here today. Brother Bill, if you'll come now. You love the Lord, would you say amen this morning? Amen. amen. I count it an honor to be here, uh, to be able to preach the Word of God, to be able to spend time with my friend, and I'll tell you a little bit about what God's done there. When I, You can take your Bibles and go to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. But I find, uh, before we get into the message, but I find that Paul, the Apostle Paul, spent time uh, in his writings... Uh, thanking God for the people uh, that God had put into his life. The, the Philippian church was very precious to Paul. Uh, in Philippians 4, Paul spent time uh, thanking God for, and thanking them for their care for him when no other church would uh, care for Paul, check on Paul's needs, if you will. Uh, the Philippian church was faithful uh, to that work and faithful to the gospel through, uh, even through the life of Paul. And we find that Paul spent much time mentioning people in his writings that had influenced his life or been a blessing to him or been uh, an encouragement to him. And, and uh, your pastor uh, has been that to me. And what he said about me being, an influ- uh, being uh, a better friend to him is... is uh, hogwash, uh, I will just tell you right now, uh, I thank God for him. Uh, I truly believe, I don't know if I've ever asked you this verbatim, but I'm going to ask you on the spot because I think I know the answer. Do you remember being a little boy praying for me before I got saved? Yeah, I figured that. I figured that because you're, you're about, what, 20 years older than me? Is it 20? I, that at, The older I get, the numbers get harder to remember, but... Now you're about what five, about five years, I think, older than I am, and uh, he, his family uh, lived across the street from my grandparents, and I spent a lot of time at my grandparents, and my mom was a single mom, and uh, grandma was my babysitter, and uh, and I loved being over there because we lived in South Florida, and they had air conditioning, amen. They also had a swimming pool, yes. And uh, I also had uh, had my friend over there, and uh, and so uh, we would fish in that canal. And uh, do you remember Oscar the alligator? Uh, probably about a six foot alligator that lived in the canal. And uh, we didn't know anything. This is pre-internet. Uh, you know, we knew a lot. I'm finding out we knew a lot of things back then, but we didn't. You know, back in the days pre-internet, uh, you either had to go to a book. Or you just had to, whatever Joe down the street told you had to be the truth, right? Because you didn't know any different. Now find out, you don't feed alligators. Because if you feed an alligator, you're making them dangerous because now they associate a a human with food. We didn't know any better. Thankfully, uh, uh, I didn't lose any limbs or anything. And uh, to the alligator there in the canal right beside Grandma's house. But I, I, I do want to, you know, there's been over the years a, a statement, giving people flowers while they're still alive. And if you'd allow me just to clear off a space this morning and thank God. Uh, Philippians chapter number 1, 
And this wasn't my message, but isn't it interesting how God ties things together in what you were teaching this morning about our love for Christ and, uh, and His working in our lives. But I also look down here in the Scriptures when Paul says in chapter number 1, go down to verse number 3, uh, Paul and Timotheus, that's uh, Timothy, his son in the faith as he refers to him. Uh, but he says, in, uh, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And, and uh, I was thinking about my friend, uh, Greg Boer, thinking about uh, growing up and playing together. And I remember that he was different and his family was different from the people I went to school with. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I really didn't grow up in, a, in an extended Christian family even. Um, I, didn't grow, I didn't go to a Christian school uh, throughout most of my years. I went to faith for one year. And, uh, but other than that, I went to public school. I was around worldly people. But there was something different about my friend Greg. There was something different about uh, uh, his, his parents and his siblings. And, and uh, when I would go over their house, I, I didn't know. God teaches you a lot of things later on after you get saved and you begin to see things when you remember back and you begin to see the differences. But I remember going over there and they didn't talk like everybody else. They didn't act like everybody. They had, they had standards and they had rules as a family even and what they were allowed to do and who they were allowed to go and be with and what they wore. They were a lot, they were just different. And, uh, I didn't know, but God was using that in my life. And, and, and here my friend as we would play basketball and, Break windows with balls on accident, and break eyeglasses, and and uh, and all these times we're playing together. God was working in me, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it, but uh, July first, nineteen eighty-five, his dad, preachers, what we called him, uh, Doctor Terry L. Boer, uh, and uh, he was preaching the Word of God. I can't tell you what he was preaching on that morning. I have no idea what he's preaching. I didn't know much. I didn't know much about the Lord Jesus. I didn't know much about the Bible at that stage in my life. I couldn't have told you the Bible stories that many that that my kids knew by the time that they could be old enough to understand. They already knew about Daniel the Lions. I didn't know about any of those things. All I knew is the Holy Ghost came by and drew me unto God the Father one one Sunday morning as I heard the gospel and I realized that I was a sinner and that if I died that day without Jesus, I'd go to hell. And I deserved it. And the only thing I understood, and we, we overcomplicate, the, the Bible talks about the simplicity of the gospel. And it is. The gospel is in a person. It's in a person. It's in Jesus Christ. And uh, I recognized that I was a sinner, and I didn't say uh, I, I, they didn't say you got to go through a process, or you got to you got to do this, or you got to. I just stepped out of the aisle. I be, honestly, in my own heart, I believe I got saved before I ever even hit the altar. I, I, I believe I, I believe when I when I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus, recognizing that I was a sinner and I needed His forgiveness and His righteousness, I believe He saved me. And uh, I called upon the Lord July 1st, 1985, 38 years ago, 38 years ago this month, that He saved me. And God changed my life. 
And God uh, continued to change my life, and He used that man in my life. And it's not about uh, 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 giving glory to a man, but we ought to give thanks for every remembrance. Uh, as Paul said, uh, every remembrance of them, when he prayed for them, he would remember uh, what they meant to him and how God had used them. And, 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 and the, the saints of God, God's people, the family of God, are gifts given to one another by, by the Father. The family of God, the children of God, giving us each other to sharpen one another, to edify, to teach, to preach, to pray for, to love, to strengthen one another in this journey, uh, in this life, till we get home to glory and we, we are with our Father and with our family throughout eternity. But I thank God that he'd been, He's been patient with me uh, uh, when, when I probably wouldn't have been as patient with Him as He was with me. Just telling you the truth. He's forgiven me many, many times more than He probably ever would remember and uh, more than I want to remember. But I thank God for His uh, uh, being and, and loving me as a shepherd for, for about probably six years. Probably about six years. Your dad got cancer the first year that I was on staff. And uh, then he became my pastor. And, uh, and so we worked alongside one another. And he was our, our shepherd, our pastor there for, uh, like I say, uh, probably six, six and a half years. And uh, we were there seven and a half years before God called me into the pastorate. But I thank God for him. Thank God for his friendship. We'll be friends forever. When this life ends, we'll still be, we'll still be friends and we'll be together for eternity. We'll be worshiping him around the throne. We'll be looking at one another and saying, boy, it'd be glorious. It'd be beautiful. Look at those wounds. For us, it'd be wonderful that He'd love us. And throughout eternity, we're going to be as He is. And I thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for His grace, His mercy. But if you take your Bibles there, if you have not, uh, the Philippians chapter number 1. And I want you to see this prayer of Paul. And I want to preach, and uh, before uh, you throw anything out at me, I want you to see, we're going to preach this morning on giving God a hand. We'll explain that in just a moment. Giving God a hand. So God doesn't need our help. There's one area God needs help in. That's in your own life. See, God will work in you, but God is not going to work against you if you are pressing and pushing against God. And for you and I, when God does His work in us, we have to be a, we have to be a submitted, willing vessel in His hand. We, we cannot resist as clay in the potter's hand on the potter's will. We, can't, we cannot be resistant, a resistant temple against His building. We cannot uh, resist His work within us. And we've got to do our part so that God can build and make us. Verse number 4, he says, Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. I can only imagine the number of times that Greg Boer has called my name out in prayer or the number of times that I've called his name out in prayer. And I thank God that we are to pray for one another. And Paul was praying, Paul and Timothy 
praying for these believers in Philippi. But they prayed in a certain way. Look in verse number 4. I want you to see, with joy. We ought to pray for one another with joy. We ought to come to the Lord bringing petitions and praying for one another with joy. Verse number 5, For your fellowship, specifically, here's why he had joy, from your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, even in, my, in our lives, and uh, this is a picture, but the fellowship, we have fellowship because of the gospel. Without the fellowship of, of the gospel, you and I don't have fellowship. The gospel brought us together. The, the, the gospel today uh, uh, brings us together today in this very moment in time. And it will be the gospel of Jesus Christ that keeps us in fellowship throughout eternity. But I want you to see, being confident of this very thing. Paul had confidence in some things. And there were things that Paul, uh, we'll later look at, some things that Paul didn't have confidence and didn't want to have confidence and rejected, if you will, having confidence in. But in this he was confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. By the way, that's not just uh, relegated to the church at Philippi. But that is for every child of God. When God saves us, the work begins. God begins to, as it uses the word here, perform. He that has begun a good work in you will perform it. You think about that word, perform. Uh, it is the word, the, the prefix, if you will, per, is through. Through forming. Perform. God will, through you, form. God, through you, will perform uh, these things in you, this good work that He will do in your life and in my life if we are submitted vessels, if we will follow and do and be what God tells us through His Word to be, then God will do a great work in us. But I'll, I'll promise you this. Even if we aren't submitted, I, I, I'll do my best to try to stay behind the mic, but I'm like those people who can't talk without their hands. I can't preach uh, behind the pulpit the, end of the, uh, uh, the whole time. I'll try to, cameraman, uh, my brother, to, to try to stay behind this pulpit. But, but, uh, but God is going to finish what He starts. Now, what we look like, at the end of this life, before this life ends, is going to determine greatly how much we're willing to submit ourselves to, to God. If we're willing to submit ourselves to the hand of the potter so that we're not marred uh, upon the wheel, that we're not resistant, how we finish is going to determine, uh, uh, is be determined by how much we help God in His work in us. His work in you. He's doing a good work in you. Every work He does is good, but are you willing and do you desire His work in you? He will finish it, though. No matter how much you resist, the end of the day, the finished product will be like Christ. When we step out of this, 
mortal body and we step into the eternal, and that eternal day when we step into His glory, we're going to be as He is. But there's a lot to happen in between now and there. Unless the Lord comes back today or your life ends soon. But there's much that God wants to do in us. And we find here that it says in verse 7, "...even as it is meet for me..." Uh, suitable uh, for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. I'll be honest with you today, and I... This is how the Lord's leading this morning. I didn't plan to, to preach this direction on these particular things. But I'm a recipient, whether He knew it or not, in, in His life and in my life, I have been a recipient, a partaker, He says, of my grace, of the grace of Greg Boer in his life towards uh, way back then, little Billy. All right? I've been a partaker of His grace, and He's been a partaker of those that have extended grace to Him. And the truth is, ultimately, at the, at the beginning of it all, we're all partakers, if you've been born again, of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord. And He says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Your pastor talked about loving. How we as believers ought to love. And, and what Paul is saying here, he, he longed in his bowels for them. He longed, he yearned, if you will, so to speak. He yearned to be with them in Philippi. Those brethren that he, he had grown to love, who'd, who had cared for him, and he had cared for them, and God had yoked them up in the, in the work of the, the fellowship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. I want you to see some things from Scripture this morning. Helping God help you. Helping God help you. Giving Him a hand in your life. Because we can either hinder God's working, the Christian life, pardon me, the Christian life does not work by osmosis. In other words, I can't lay my head on my, my Bible at night uh, and absorb the Word of God and wake up in the morning. And uh, when I wake up, I have absorbed the Word of God and I've grown in the grace. No, it takes our continually submitting our hearts and our bodies to Him, our minds to Him, yielding and desiring to, to fellowship with Him, to learn of Him through His Word. We ought to grow. God desires that we grow. Hey, how many times in our lives have we, you and I, start projects? And uh, when, when we were at, at Faith together, Faith Baptist Church, uh, talking about his mom uh, 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 helping to, to uh, uh, pour, pour concrete, do concrete work, 
when she was nine months pregnant with his sister and uh, to pour the foundation of the church there, the, 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 the meeting house. Uh, the church isn't a building, but the meeting house, if you will. And, uh, and so doing that, that work there. But how many times over the years did we would start a project, whether it be on our own at home or whether it be at the church, and there would be so many irons in the fire, so many felt like those uh, plate jugglers, you know, those spinners. And they get this plate spinning, and this one gets to spinning, and they get this one spinning, and they get this one spinning. About that time, this one's spinning. This one over here is starting to wobble, and uh, you got to run to this one, and and that's how it begins. Can I tell you? But but can I tell you about the the power of our Lord? You're saved this morning. By the way, if I mean this kindly, graciously, but truthfully, if you're not saved, uh, He's Lord, but He's not your Savior. He's not your until you believe on Him. He's just God that made you and wants you. When you get saved and you understand that He is your Lord, He is your God, and He's your friend, uh, He cares for you. But until that time, but when you get saved, He begins a work in you. God doesn't start works and leave them. Well, I'm just, I just feel like I'm not close to the Lord. I feel like God's not helping me. I feel like God's not growing me. Uh, I'll tell you right now, if there's a problem with the building, there's a problem with the heart, there's a problem with the... It's not that God is failing. It's not that God has taken some... It's not that God's too busy for you and He's helping somebody else. No, the problem lies on our own part. The problem is we're not uh, uh, yielding ourselves to... It, the problem is, first of all, make sure you're saved. But second of all, if you've been saved, we are not... Uh, there may be problems of unbelief, lack of faith, and, and, and walking in fellowship, as you, as you taught this morning, with the Lord. But God will not uh, uh, leave, leave some, some of His temples desolate. He's not going to leave some of His trees without nourishment. He's not going to leave some of His uh, clay lumps on the wheel drying out because He cares more about other lumps. Amen? No, there's not one of His. God's not a respecter of persons. In other words, God's not going to care for, for some and not for others. And by the way, that comes to the lost. He cares about every one of them. Don't, don't fall into that trap, that nonsense about, of Calvinism. God, God's not a respecter of persons when it comes to the lost. Whosoever. Amen. Whosoever. And secondly, for every one of His children, God's not neglecting some and caring for... Hey, there might be favorites. There might be favorites among uh, uh, people. God doesn't have favorites. But let me say this. There are some that He's closer to than others. I don't know if I believe that. Well, there are those in Scripture God called a friend. A friend to God. Abraham, a friend to God. There's some that God just said, you're so close to me, I just might as well just take you on up. There's one, He just translated him. He just took him on to be with Him because He's just so close. You're so close to you might as well just come on up here and be with me. 
But that's not on God's side. That's up to us and how close we are to God, whether we are a friend to Him, because He is a friend to His own. He's a friend to us. He's a friend to sinners, and He's a friend to His own children. But are we a friend to God? I want you to see several things from the Scriptures this morning. Peter said uh, uh, through the uh, leading, the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in 2 Peter 3.18, "...but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen." We ought to grow in the grace and the knowledge, but that's going to take several... Here's some specific areas. Well, how do I grow? I, just, I know I'm supposed to grow, preacher, but what areas am I to grow as a Christian? I want you to see first in verse number 9. And this I pray. Specific prayer request. We're reading the prayer of, P, uh, uh, of, excuse me, of Paul uh, toward God on behalf of the Philippians. That your love may abound. A little bit? Is that, is that, is that what it says? Is that what it says in a trick question? See, I, I was always the brightest bulb in the, in the box when I was a kid, so a teacher might ask me a question, it'd be a trick question, and I'd just, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, it's a trick question, verse number 9, when it says that your love may abound, and I say a little more. No, abound. To abound is to go far beyond what our understanding or our expectations, because we can put restrictions on how much we're willing to love. Let's be real honest. Well, I'll, we hear people say, I love them, but I don't like them. What we're saying is, I've decided how much I'm willing to love. We've, we've put a, a barrier in how much we're willing to, how far we're with. Instead of loving a little bit, we, well, I love within my comfort level. I, I, I love as long as it doesn't cost me. What we're saying there is if it costs me more than I'm willing to pay to show love to the brethren or love towards my Lord, that's as far as I'm willing to go. What Paul said, whatever your definition or your understanding or your experience of what love is, I'm praying that you're going to get stretched out of your comfort zone, that you're going to get stretched out of your experience, that you're going to get stretched beyond your normal uh, uh, capacity to love, and that that capacity is going to get bigger. His work in you is an abounding love. God, God's desire for you and I as a believer is that our, our heart, if you will, I'm not talking about that which pumps blood, but that inner heart, that the, the mind, the heart, the desire, that inner seat uh, within us would get bigger. And get bigger and get bigger so that our capacity to love increase. Our, our ability to express love increases. Uh, some folks never tell anybody that they love them. Some people go, I didn't grow up that way. We grew up in a home 
I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying this is the way some people, some people grow up in a home where they never hear that they're loved. Well, they know, kind of like the, the, the husband that said, I told my, li- my wife that I loved her on the day I married her, and if something changes, I'll let her know. Well, that sounds real good, pompous guy, but can I tell you right now, that's not love. Well, people know that I love them, do they? How about we tell them we love them? It's the love of Christ that's been taught this morning in Sunday school. That is, this is how it is known that you're His disciple. God looks down and says, uh, that's my disciple because I can tell by the way that they love. The world looks and says they're a disciple by the way that they love. It's a love that percolates. It It's to to grow, it's to increase, but it also, uh, I want you to see, uh, is is to be filtering, a filtering love. When you make, how many of you are coffee lovers? Do I have any friends in the room? Uh, I got a lot of friends in the room. (laughs) I'm teasing. If you don't like coffee, that's okay. I I didn't either uh, one time, but the prayers of others helped me, I think. I tease. Can I say this morning that that this love in verse number nine is a percolate, it's a filtering love. You see, we live in a, in a day and age where Satan wants to take. Can, can I say this? Everything God does, Satan wants to distort. He, you you look time and time again in the scriptures, and you'll find that he takes what God has and he wants it, but he doesn't want it holy. He'll take what God has and He distorts and He twists it and He tries to make it a facsimile. Not the same, but what we find when it comes to love is the world wants to say that they love. We live in a day and age where, well, we've got this It's this particular month. Oh, it's Pride Month and that's that's supposed to be about loving. No, that's not about loving. That's... That's about distorting. That's not. That's about celebrating wickedness, not celebrating love. Love wants to set people free from bondage. Love wants to deliver people from darkness. Love wants to restore, uh, see people restored in fellowship with God. But many have an idea. Well, love means I'm just going to. I don't like the way they live, but I'm just going to have to accept some things about a family member and they're living in sin. Oh, here's what the Bible says. If it's going to be real love, look at what the verse number 9 says. It says that your love may abound yet more and more. In what? Knowledge and in all judgment. Boy, there's, you know... Those that do not know their Bibles out there in the world, the lost, they tend to know two Bible words, and that's the only two Bible words words that they think they know, and that they, they quote, and that is what? You got it, didn't you? I didn't even say it. Judge not! Judge not! They don't even understand what the Bible teaches us about judgment. Uh, they don't understand the context of that passage, nor do they understand that context of, the, of those truths in light of the entire Bible. Uh, but the Bible tells us that we're to abound in love, but through what filter? Knowledge and in all judgment. 
truth is, we are to love what God loves. And if we're going to love what God loves, we're going to hate what God hates. You say, oh, see there, I knew it. I know, no. Here's what you know. What you know is, or what I'm going to tell you what the truth is, God hates sin. Enough that He sent His Son to die to save sinners out of it. Not to keep us in it. Love isn't accepting people. It, love isn't, oh, I love you. I, I know that you are destroying your life, but I love you, so I'm going to cheer you on while you do it. That's, that's not love. Love means, don't you understand? And I'm going to tell you, everywhere I go anymore, we, we, on the trip here traveling, we'd stop at places. And I'm telling you, I, 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 I'd see people that it's clear they're, they're addicted to meth. They didn't have to wear a shirt that says, I'm a meth addict. They, they, it is very clear by, the, 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 uh, by their appearance, by, their, by their, their, their bodies, by their behaviors, by their, their twitching, by their... Uh, you just see it. It's just sad. And there's more and more and more and more today that are addicted to... And by the way, it's gone from one drug to the next, has it not, over the years? Back in the 80s, it was crack. Crack was all over the news. Every a city in America was was battling. They, the Fort Pierce, Florida a, a, Avenue D was known as the crack capital. But now it's moved on. There's always another vice, and there'll be another one after meth if the Lord doesn't come back. There'll be another another vice and another vice because Satan wants to keep in bondage, and there are people that are looking for something more. But we're going to have to love through the Scriptures. Find out how to love. Find out in what way to love. And find out what is not love, but is a lie and is not true love. We find in Scriptures this morning, we find that, that His work of love is an approving love. I want you to see here down in verse number 10. Look in, in verse number 10. God's work in us is to help us to learn how to approve and disapprove. Look in verse 10. It says that ye may approve things that are decent, that are, is that what it says? Things that are okay, things that are average, things that are mediocre. Things that will, they'll do. Is that what it says? No, what it says is things that are excellent. Let me, let me tell you a mark in a Christian that's really growing and one that's not. One that's, one that's growing wants, only allows that which is excellent in their life. But those that are going to stay on the milk, those that are going to stay carnal, they're going to say, Show me a verse for everything in my life. Can I tell you that if we had a thou shalt not for everything in life, we would have to bring dump truck after dump truck of Bibles into the parking lot. We wouldn't even be able to, we wouldn't even be able to learn it. This is, this is plenty to learn in a lifetime, by the way. We couldn't learn all the Word of God in a hundred lifetimes. It's so deep, it's and so rich. But it's, it's so uh, truthful, it is practical for our life. But can I tell you this morning that, that a carnal Christian will say, well, if you can't show me where the Bible says... So, does the Bible going to say, thou shalt not jump off a cliff, 
Thou shalt not uh, uh, stick a fork in your eye. Thou shalt not... I mean, you can say, oh, that's silly. But I'm saying that's the mindset of the weak, of the, of the carnal, that they think that if the Bible doesn't forbid it verbatim, therefore it must be okay. But you want to know who's growing? Say, boy, I want to please the Lord so much that I'm going to allow that which is excellent in my heart. It... it that which I watch on the television, you know, it used to be in a day and age where uh, a, a PG movie, uh, now this is where I grew up in the world and you didn't. Y'all didn't watch. Your, your home today is a lot like, uh, or back then was a lot like my home is today. I'm talking about your parents. It's a lot like what my kids have grown up in. We're not sitting down. Even PG movies today are PG-13 movies of, of, of 10 years ago. 15 years ago. PG-13 movies today are the, are the rated R movies from, from 15 years ago. Because as the world drifts further and further into darkness and into wickedness, as they wax, the Bible says, wax worse and worse, it's getting darker and darker. But if those that don't walk with God, here's, here's well, how do I know what's okay? Is it excellent? Is it excellent? That your love may abound yet more and more knowledge and all judgment that you may approve things. Are your friends? See, I'm, I'm thankful that your, your parents allowed you to play with me as a boy. But if I'd have started cussing, started telling you dirty jokes, wanted to go uh, bust out some neighbor's windows, uh, your parents would have said, you can't play with him anymore. Right? We've got to live in such a way that we stop allowing those things which are not excellent into our lives. We, it, God wants to grow us into a place where, hey, we are to be ye holy. Amen? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you, uh, which you have, which is in you. Listen, you, the Bible says you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your do we approve? And I want you to see that His work is a purifying work. Verse number 10, That ye may approve the things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere. By the way, God knows our sincerity. Paul said, I'm praying that you're going to be sincere. A lot of people say, since we've gone into this transition after pastoring 11 uh, being there 11 years at the church, and, and the Lord been dealing with me for quite a while to take a step of faith uh, as Abraham, uh, get thee out, and then He's going to show uh, where we're to go, what we're to do. And people say, well, do you have any direction? And the truth is, I don't say it every time, but in my heart, yes, I do have a direction. His name is Jesus Christ. And as if I seek Him and I press toward Him, He'll take care of the where and the who and the when and the how. But He's my who. He's our who. If we seek Him, He'll take care of... Hey, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God will guide and order our steps if, if we're seeking Him. If we'll delight ourselves in the Lord. What does Psalm 37 teach us? He'll give us the desires of the heart. That is, by the way, I believe that is a circular promise. If we delight in Him, He'll give us the desires of our heart. And when we, He gives us the desires of the heart is who? The one we delight in. As we delight in Him, He gives us the desires of the heart. And it increases... Hey, 
He's not telling you, okay, if you delight in me, I'm going to give you the things of the world. When, since when is that what it, we are to desire or to delight in? No, it's in Him. It's a purifying work that we be sincere. And it is a work of prosperity. Look at verse number 11. Being filled, being filled. What God does, He doesn't do halfway. Amen? What God does, He does fully. But are we fully committed to Him? Are we excellent in our approving? Are we abounding in our loves, our love towards Christ and towards others? Or are we half committed Christians that are not abounding, not excellent in our approving, and not being fruitful in the fruits of righteousness? And if we're not, it's not His fault. Because He loved us enough today to, to remind us from His Word. He loved us enough to give us this book. Do you desire? Do you desire? Are you helping Him help you be what He wants you to be? It's not about what you think you need to become. It's what He knows that you and I need to become. But that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen unless we submit ourselves to Him. And if we submit ourselves to, the, to His Word, and if we stay on our faces to say, God, it's not just going to happen. I've got to go after You. I've got to seek after. I've got to desire. I've got to submit myself to You. Where are you at today, Christian? Are you resisting His hand in His work? His performing work in you? Are you where you should be today? You say, well, none of us are where we should. I'm talking about right now, this morning. In your heart, your relationship with God, are, you, are, do, are these things prevalent in your life? That abounding love? That, that excellent approval? That, the, those the, being filled with the fruits of righteousness in your life? If not, we ought to get on our face and say, God, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And Lord, would You help me? I know You will. Because You desire this in me, God. I submit myself to You that I'm going to do and be what You want me to be. Let's stand. The altar's open. The pianist will come and make her way. But you don't need to wait on a piano. Pianist will come, but you don't need to wait. The altar's open. The altar in heaven is open at all times. God is on the throne listening to the cries of His children. If you need to come this morning and say, Lord, would you help me in these things? God, I don't do, I've not been desiring the excellent. I've not been the excellent. God, you desire excellent in my life. Excellence. God, I've not been desiring or doing or being that. Lord, help me in these things. Altars open if you're here this morning and you need to do business with Him. You need to get close to the Lord. Say, God, would you forgive me and God, would you help me? There may be some sin in your life. You say, the truth is, I'm far from in the excellent and I'm far from abounding in love and I'm far from being filled in the fruits of righteousness. I'm far away from you, Lord. Can I tell you this? He's as close as one step. One step you take towards Him. One step, that prodigal, when the prodigal came home, the father ran to him, fell on his.